BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast, where we help restaurant patrons enjoy their experience by giving them a look behind the industry curtain. Welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast. This is a two-part episode on bartending. First, we take to the phone and interview Chris Rockstar Godson and get his perspective on bartending. And in part two, we talk to Stephanie Dottinger and gives us a look at bartending from a female point of view. And now, on to the show. And on today's podcast, we take a look at bartending. We have here uh, my longtime friend, uh, Chris Rockstar Godson. And on the line as well, we have our co-host and my good friend, Danny DeVilla. Say hello first, Danny. Hey, everybody. How are we doing this evening? Afternoon, daytime, whatever you want to call it. Wherever, wherever you may at. be listening, we have Chris. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm a bartender, so it's definitely morning. Uh, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are a night person. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, 11 a.m. is very early. <laughs> well, I'm we, not joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being with us. And uh, this is going to be no our first part series on uh, bartending. Our second part we're going to do with uh, Stephanie at a later time. And uh, I wanted to get uh, your perspective. So how long have you been in the industry? Uh, how did you get your start? Wow. Um, uh, this January, uh, I, I actually have gotten to the point now where I, I, I don't like talking about these numbers because I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I like to pretend it's not a real thing. And uh Every time somebody asks me how old I am behind the bar, I, I've been answering this for years the same way, and I'm dead serious. I say, listen, I'm a bartender. I'm eternally youthful. Therefore, I have no age. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, this uh, this January will be 30 years in the business, and it will be 20 consecutive years of bartending. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you can I, hide uh, those numbers. You could lie if you wanted to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this would be a yeah. This would be be a different podcast if I told you uh, about that part of it. But uh, it's not about lying. It's just about letting people believe what they want to believe. <laughs> that that's huge. That is huge. So, yes. how did you get started? Where did you work? I was I was going to school in a Catholic junior high school, uh, Queen of Heaven in West Seneca, New York, uh, which is basically Buffalo. Um, I was in eighth grade. 
I was, I don't even know if I was 15 yet. Um, and my substitute teacher came in and she was the wife of a local businessman, a local restauranteer uh, named Ray Schwabel. Uh, Schwabel's restaurant is the home of roast beef on Weck in Buffalo, New York. And, uh, she put it up on the chalkboard and said, uh, and yes, I did say chalkboard. It was <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, she's like, does anybody want a job? I'm like, yeah, I want a job. And, uh, next thing I know that week I'm standing behind the bar, um, barely 15 and I've got, uh, 40 old men who I thought at the time were like borderline dead. Um, cause 40 is so old. Uh, I, I, I was learning a lot about life than I, more than I ever thought I would know. Wow, I had no idea that your first job was actually bartending. I thought it was serving or... or oh, I was uh, a bar back. I was a bar back, not okay. a bartender, bar back. Bar back. Well, it was yes. behind a bar, so that's even that's huge. Yeah. Okay, so then uh, take us through your basically your second job. What did you do after that as well, far as I mean, the I restaurant think, industry? Yeah, I, I think what I would do um, to keep this kind of concise is, is say that my the first 10 years in the business, uh, once I, once I was done with Schwabbles, which I was there for a good three years, okay. um, you know, it was actually a huge mistake when I left there. Uh, the running joke was always that the, uh, Ray Schwab always said that I would be the, I would inherit his business cause his sons didn't want it. And, um, th- this is a, an interesting story. I, I, I have an open job offer to this day at Schwabbles and, it comes to be that it, it might not have really been a joke. Uh, his sons really didn't want to do it, and he really did like me enough that I, if I would have stuck around, I could have be been yours. Huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, the you know the, the ten years, you know from that point on, I I cut my teeth hardcore in corporate. Okay. Um, okay. I I learned the business the hard way, and you know in a lot of senses the right way. You know, I, 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 I learned my steps of service. I learned my, you know, guest greet times. I learned my, my drink recipes, uh, it, you know, food preparation, uh, you know, health and safety, all that garbage that is actually super important. And um, I bounced around more <laughs> corporate places than I even want to say because I, uh, I was destined to be a bartender because uh, waiting on tables with a strong personality sometimes doesn't lead to good job security. Well, starting in cop in corporate is a good idea. More, so, I think it's easier to trans transition from starting in corporate to a non corporate restaurant than the reverse. Because when you go from a loose uh, environment to corporate, uh, it, it's really hard to adjust. Yes, I agree. Um, you know, so I, I definitely spent that ten years doing everything from Olive Garden to Roadhouse to Bennigan's. I mean. Good Lord, two of those three places don't even exist anymore. Uh, <laughs> Lone Star, that's three of the four that don't exist anymore. Um, Outback Steakhouse, and I did Outback in three different states. I did Lone Star in two different states. Um, and I'll tell you right now, um, when I, you know, because now at the later parts of my career, I've actually been part owner of a business. I've been in management on and off for the last 10 years. People shy away from telling me that they worked in corporate. And I look at them and, and, and tell these kids, I'm like, you're crazy. Like, that's the first thing I want to know. Yeah. That means I can work with you. That means you have the basics. That's, that means yeah. you've been through all the things that I already mentioned a few minutes ago. That's that's huge for me. And what did you like about uh, bartending back then? Well, I, got, I first got promoted to the bar 
1998 while waiting on tables at Roadhouse Grill with you. Um, you and I worked together there, and uh, I got promoted to the bar, and I, I really, you know, um, I had to kiss a lot of ass to get myself to the bar, and I had to really work my butt off, and it was tough. Okay. Um, my The GM at the time that we had, as you remember, uh, he did not uh, really like me. And uh, it wasn't until an outside manager came in and an area supervisor recognized me and my work ethic and allowed me to get to the bar. So <clears throat> that is, you know, I, I even did corporate bartending before I became a, you know, bartender, as I would say. And what did um, you like about it? What did I like about <laughs> Honestly, the best thing about corporate is not the corporate but the bartending in in particular versus let's say serving or the aspects of the restaurant okay sure absolutely um it it definitely was right for my personality uh i you know my my nickname is rockstar which was given to me by one of my best friends in the world which would be uh you uh (laughs) and that (laughs) and that happened back in the mid 90s uh which you've literally said to me you kind of regret giving me that nickname since it took a life of its own um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah people to this day are like oh yeah the guy that gave himself that nickname i'm like listen jerk off i did not give myself this nickname and i could prove it um but uh I, to answer your question corporate bartending kind of sucked actually um okay. you're, ask, you're asking me what i liked about it i, I didn't um i didn't like it at all <laughs> well, not necessarily uh, the corporate part of it, but uh, well, for me, let's say I, I'm the opposite of you. I've uh, never wanted to be in the bar. Um, it's it's too personal. Uh, you're too caged. I like walking away from people and um, you definitely like engaging people. I, I've been out with you several times and, and you'll engage absolutely anyone. And um, <laughs> I think that's a good quality for being a bartending a bartender. So for me, I yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, good job on your part steering me back into the direction of the question you actually asked me. Uh, this just shows that I'm a bartender because I can go off in 20 different directions. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the answer to your question is that, uh, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in what I do, and I truly believe that I became a very good server. I became a very good waiter. I was very good at it. I did some fine dining. Um, I, I excelled at it by learning the hard way. I gained wisdom through lots of mistakes and, and then it just got to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore because I, I didn't feel like it was good for my personality. When I got behind the bar, I was on stage and that's to this day, that's literally how I look at it. That's why I love bartending. I love being, when I go into work, it doesn't matter if I'm sick. It doesn't matter if I have an injury. It doesn't matter if my dog died. It's, I look at it. You're like, on the show. It's, the show. Uh, it's, it's showtime. Yes, exactly. it's showtime, and and that's what people are coming to see. Nobody wants to hear their bartender's problems. Mm-hmm. They, they you, they're there. You hear their talk. problems, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Correct. That is 100 percent correct, and that that is why it's not even close. I, I mean, there was a time that I could I could wait on tables and be good at it, but I, I do not like it. I can't do it, and um, I, I love being behind the bar. Has the show changed any for you since those early 90, those 90s days to now? How's the show compare? The show has changed. It's changed a lot because uh, I guess 
I'll use a sports analogy. It's like being uh, that, that grizzled veteran on the football field or that, that guy in hockey who, you know, he, he had his, when he came into the league, he was really fast and he was able to get, get away with things with just pure speed. And, and, you know, sometimes he didn't focus on like holding, you know, um, securing the ball well enough. And that was the way I was as a bartender in the beginning. It was all energy, all show, super pumped up. And it, that creates a little chaos. And mm-hmm. I, as I've gotten older or more experienced, I should say, I don't like using that word. Um, as I've matured and, and, and gained wisdom, I've learned that you, you got to pace it out and it's about consistency. You, you don't want, you don't want too many ups and downs. You just want to, you got to make it through the, the long shift. You know, okay. our shifts are not, our shifts are not retail six hours. They're not even, yeah, they're long. They're long. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you're you're t- take hours. us through Normal. take us through a typical shift then um I, i'm not sure uh people who haven't been bar- bartenders or been in the industry know exactly what goes into bartending how long their shift is they show up and they expect a smile they expect uh, efficiency and they expect that their crummy jokes are going to be met with uh you know a big hooray so uh take us through a typical day uh, of how long or how late or what you have to go through Sure. Are all, the, um, are all the jokes crummy, Marley? Are they all bad? <laughs> <laughs> the ones I overhear. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of bad jokes heard and delivered from behind the bar. And, and the really tough part about it is a lot, and most of them you've already heard them eight thousand times. So then it's really crummy, la- fake laughing at them. <laughs> It's, it's, like yeah, I know that I know your answer already. You can even make it funny. Your delivery is horrible. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Definitely. <laughs> so you touched uh, you touched upon the uh, length of the shift, a, a long shift. How how long? What time do you usually start? Well, you know, again, this is stages of career. Um, I, I don't, you know, I haven't had to be the opener in more years than I can even count. Uh, and not that there's anything wrong with being an opener, not that it means that you're not a good bartender or, you know, cause some places, you know, everybody's just got to work a certain amount of shifts, but yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm at the stage of my career where I don't, you know, not to sound goofy, but I don't really look for jobs anymore that people come to me. Um, and again, 30 years, I, I earned this. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> spent a lot of time working my way up to this cause I, I don't want to come across like I'm sounding like I'm holier than now right now, but so, so for me, I work, I work volume shifts. Okay. You know, there's openers, there's volume and there's closers. And okay. I'm the guy that's the volume. Okay. Volume, volume means you come in when it is that they need the strong guy to come in. Um, I, I, for the most part, don't have to come in and cut the fruit and make the juices and stock the ice and do all that crap anymore. Uh, you know, but I do, which is part of why I get phone calls. I'll come in into a bar that's not even really busy yet. And if I, I'll immediately put my head down like a bar back and just start, washing glasses and getting things ready for the volume to happen. And that makes your bar partners respect you. doesn't matter how good you are or if you were brought in as the mercenary guy, which I am, that they're like, okay, this guy doesn't think that his shit doesn't stink. They're, they're, he's here to work and he doesn't think he's better than us. Okay, um, so you mentioned um, one, one point that I, it was an eye-opener for me when I first started my restaurant career and I started in the kitchen. And uh, I had no idea that people cut the fruit. I thought you bought the fruit cut. <laughs> wow, jeez, that's that's hysterical. <laughs> hey, but but then yes, it is hysterical. So I I can only imagine that people come into a bar and assume that you know you can 
you can just gnaw on these, uh, you know, fruit uh, platters here that just mm-hmm. appear. So yeah, at right. the beginning keep of the keep shifts, your hands out of my fruit. <laughs> exactly. So what I'm hearing you saying is that uh, the opener will come in, and then they will cut the fruit, wash glassware, prep the bar, get every all the bottles where they need to be, and things like that. Is that typically how the opener in the beginning of the shift goes? That is typically how the opener uh, works. And and don't get me wrong, uh, especially in corporate bartending. Oh my goodness, the the opener has to be strong. Uh, you know, in, in when you get into corner bars and stuff like that, you know, again, no offense to anybody, but sadly enough, uh, or not sadly enough, it just is what it is. Openers usually are not the stronger bartenders, but in corporate, that is absolutely not true. In corporate, you got to come in and do all that, that BS work, but then you also have to be able to handle the lunch rush, handle answering the phone, handle taking to go orders, doing service bar. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you better be able to, you better be a rock star. If you can, if you're going to work that shift in a corporate place. Okay. Um, then yeah. take us to the middle of the shift. It's, it's high volume time. It's rock star time. You know, your bar is yes. too deep. And what's your method? Like, how do you get through serving customers and, and, and what it is that are, are your challenges as well? Well, um, this is, I have, you know, at this point in my career, I have so many pet peeves and this is one of them. And it's definitely in, in the top echelon of them is that not enough people that do what I do in the volume position do it the right way. Like you have to, first of all, you eat before your shift. Okay. You come in, you are fed, you are caffeinated, you are, have worked out or whatever the hell it is that you do to get yourself where you need to be physically and mentally. Those things need to be done because you're, you don't get to come in and have a cup of coffee and get yourself ready to rock and roll. You're the volume, which means you're coming in and bam, you and the show is on. on. The yeah. show is on. So you have got to be able to, and, and, and it's very, very hard mentally, let alone physically, because literally, you got to remember, you're, you're going to walk into a bar at two or four or six or 10, depending if it's a nightclub, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I said all those different numbers because there's different types of places. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, some of them you're at they're at work until four or five in the morning. Some of them you're done at two, you know. But anyway, you got to come in and just be ready to rock and roll. And you got to have your, like, in the car, you got to get, you know, listen to whatever music you got to listen to. Like, you're going to play a game or you're get, going to the gym. Like, you got to be jacked up and ready to rock and roll. You know, if you, and, it, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to say this. This is a little, uh, it's a little um, uncouth, but listen, you better get up early enough in the day that you get your digestive system going. If you got to drop a deuce, you better do it before work. Okay. You know, you, you know, I mean, let's be real. Like, you no, got to have, yeah. have eaten dinner. You got to have taken that dump already that day. You got to be able to work and stay behind be the flushed, bar. Ready to go. I like Yes. <laughs> and, and, and the reality of this is, is that you are now going to stand behind that bar. For anywhere from six to 12 hours. And I can't remember the last time I worked a six hour bar, bar shift and people okay. hear 12 hours and they think that's an exaggeration. It is not at all. No, it's legit. I did it this Sunday. I did it Sunday for the, for the bills home game. I, I went in, uh, I was allowed to come in later as the volume, which was 11 AM. That was later. Okay. And I didn't leave, I didn't leave that night until uh, midnight. So that's a 13 hour shift. Wow. And I didn't take a break. There was no eating. There was no, you know, I, you know, went to the bathroom to take a leak a couple times. That was it. You know, that's it. You're back there. You're standing. You're working, and that's what you do if you're the volume. And mm-hmm. I didn't. And, and and proof that I'm the volume. I didn't close that night. Bar was open till four in the morning, and mm-hmm. they let me get out of there at midnight. Thank God. 
And what's your system for getting through, you know, a rush or a, a two, three deep bar? It's, 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 you know, all the things I just said in the, in the preparation physically and mentally. And then, you know, obviously you have to, you have to still like what you're doing to some degree, which I absolutely do, or there's no way you could do it. Um, especially not for as long as I've done it. So you genuinely have to like it. You genuinely have to like certain aspects of it, whatever it is. Everybody chooses something different. They like being the star. They like the attention. They like uh, communicating with people. They like, you know, the, 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 the dark lights and the false reality, which is a term that I use all the time. Mm -hmm. And false reality is not a negative term. It sounds negative. It's not. Everything in the bar world is a false reality and it's and it's in a desired false reality you, you you leave work as the you go you leave work as a patron at a different place and you go to a bar because you want music and flashing lights and you know a bartender who's you know being nice to you no matter how stupid you are you know like you you, <clears throat> you know you want to be served food you're not making the food you're getting poured drinks instead of making your own like that's it's not the way the real world works but it does in the bar and that's what you're going there for okay so you just have to accept that your job is there. Your job is to facilitate the false reality in a positive way and then have as much fun as you can with it and be good at it and take pride in that. I take pride in it. I take pride in people wanting to see me, knowing that if they see me, it's like, okay, cool. Rockstar is behind the bar. This is going to be a good experience. I don't have to think about my wife or my kids or my dog or my job or, you know, whatever. I'm going to come here. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to unwind for a few hours. All right. Now I have a question. So, you're the like so obviously you sound like you're the, the star at the bar. Are other bartenders like your supporting role, or how do they ride the wave with you? And how do you feel that those you know like with having a strong personality, how do you feel like the flow goes with di different bartenders? Are there people that can hold you back? Do you have to pick up their pace. How, let's elaborate on like like that kind of stuff, like the people you work with. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. It's definitely a, a very pertinent thing in the business. Uh, again, through having made a lot of mistakes throughout the years, I've learned how to be pretty darn good at that. But it's because I did a lot of it or maybe all of it the wrong way at one point. Um, and I've learned that, yes, my personality is, is large. And it's very evident to people as soon as they work with me that I'm going to be that guy behind the bar. So you know, part of how you make sure you can flow with these people is doing what I said. You come in, you, you get ice, you stock beer, you, you do the dirty work. And, and that, and that makes them see that, okay, I don't think I'm better than you, but here's this personality I have and here's how I'm interacting with people. And here's how I'm always clapping behind the bar. And I've got this big, big bellowing voice and it doesn't, I mean, I'm not a big guy, but for some reason that people, I, I can talk over any noise. My voice can be heard from across the room. Um, and, and if you don't put your bar partner's minds at ease, uh, that can be a real problem. And I've definitely learned how to, you know, it, it, you know, it, uh, I'll, I'll be talking to uh, a guest at the bar and I'll, and I'll take their first order. And I'll be like, Hey, listen, uh, if you need anything, my name's Chris and Hey, that's John and Allison down there. And I'll do this now, especially being the mercenary bartender. I am, you know, all the time with these people that I haven't worked with that much. So now they're like, Oh, wow this dude is introducing me to the person on his end of the bar that I might not even really deal with, but it shows he does. It shows that I don't think I'm better than them. And I'm including them in this, this big show that I'm putting on. Okay. So that's one of the, one of the, one of the many ways that I, I, you know, the working hard, the including them, 
you know, when, one of my big things that we do here in Buffalo, we have a local place called Jim Stakeout. It's a, uh, it's one of the ultimate get drunk and awesome comfort food places. Um, I'm not sure if it's food you want to eat during the day, but it's definitely food you want to drink when you're drunk. And um, when you go there and you order your steak sandwich, your greasy steak sandwich, you, you throw a tip on the bar and everybody, in, the guy at the counter will turn around to the guy's cooking on the flat tops and yell, guys, say thank you. And they all go, thank you at the same time. Well, I do that. I do that at the bar. I do that with my bar partners on anything that's over anything that's a twenty dollars tip. So if I get a twenty dollars tip rover, whatever the tab is, it doesn't matter. I hey, I'm like, hey, John, Lucy, say thank you. And we're like, thank you, and people love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. So take us to you. You mentioned uh, the coworker side of it. Take it. Take us to the customer side of it. What can customers do or guests do? to make uh, their, their experience uh, more efficient or pleasant or, or just get an easier time in a, po- in a busy bar? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I, I definitely have answers to that. Uh, the, the, the sigh was that I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a glasses half full kind of guy and I'm, a, I'm definitely a positive person, but man, it's hard not to think negative things right off the bat when you hear that because – Oh, people just act like you've been in a bar before sometimes. Like, you know, if, if, if there's a line and you're, you're ordering a drink, have your money out. If you're, if you're coming in, it's busy and you, you know, you're with a couple people, have an idea of what you guys are drinking. Cause exactly. you know, like just, just take the kind of consideration you would want somebody to show you at your job. You know, like if I walk into the dry cleaners and you're, you're the manager of the dry cleaner and there's a huge line and I walk in, I'm like, hey, so I just heard about your place. Um, you guys dry clean here, right? And, and that may sound absurd that I'm like presenting it that way, but people literally will look at 32 taps in front of them and be like, so what kind of beer do you have? I'm like, <laughs> and then you'll go through, you'll, you'll start, you'll go through 17 of the 32 and they'll be like, you know what? I'll have a Bud Light. I'm like, oh my gosh. Dude, all my time. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like, and here's the thing: I guarantee nine and nine point nine times out of ten, that clown orders a Bud Light everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just, just come in and order the, the damn Bud Light, Bud Light and, and have your five bucks in your hand, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Any other oh. uh, specific uh, pet peeves? Uh, you know, just the basic ones. The, you know, the cliche ones. The the this, you know taking a shot glass or keys and smacking it on the bar and stuff like those things don't happen too often, but what they do, I just glare. Uh, I'll look at you and glare and I'll smile. It's uh, I- I'm not really sure exactly. Uh, there's a term I want to use right now. Um, is it okay if I swear? Go ahead. Okay. So there's, there's definitely a term uh, that I created that I'm sure I'm not unique in using this, but it's the fuck you smile. And the fuck you smile is the greatest thing in the world because you can't get in trouble for it. And if you do it right and you master it, it's unbelievably effective. You are literally looking at this person as doing something stupid and you're actually saying fuck you. But you're not saying it. It's just that smile. And if you do it the right way with the right body language, they'll know it. You know it. And you're smiling, and then you get them what they want, and then it's just an understood thing. It's it's a wonderful thing. Okay, so you you've been in the business for a long time. Now, what trends have you noticed uh, when you're as a bartender, whether it's uh, the clientele 
or the type of drinks and things like that, uh, the style of the bars? What has what has changed over the years? Oh man! Wow, so many, so many things. Well, you know what? So many things, and and at the same time, nothing. Uh, as as goofy as that sounds, uh, you know, we obviously see different trends. You know, like for a long period of time, it was the um, it was the martini bars, and that was, you know, probably late '90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It was martini bars were the big thing, and that and that was a big deal. And right section of the city, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That is exactly right. Cosmopolitans, uh, which so many people don't know how to make right. They're not red. They're pink. They're not red. <laughs> You're putting too much cranberry juice in there, guys. Knocking off. Anyway, uh, and then you know, obviously the craft beer thing, which is just enormous. Right now. Oh, it's it's just it's blowing up into such a thing. And you know, luckily for me, I I loved martinis during the martini phase, and I still mm-hmm. do. And I I love beers, so like it's just it's been great for me. But it, here's the thing: at the same time, you know, depending on your mood, sometimes you just want to go to a corner bar. And when you go into a corner bar, there are different. Um, different kinds of bartenders and different kinds of people. And they only usually only like to go to certain kind of bars. Like you got people who just want to go to a corner bar. They want to go somewhere. They're actually irritated by seeing too many craft beers. They don't want to see a martini on a bar unless it's the girl they're hitting on. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 they want some simple stuff. They want to see their bartender in a t-shirt and shorts and a shirt that looks like he's, he hasn't washed it in three weeks. They want that. Like, you know, it, it just depends on the type of place you're going and, not every bartender can bartend in every place and not every patron wants to be at every different kind of place. Um, so yeah, there's trends that happen. You know, you see besides the, the craft beer thing, there's a big, um, there's a big push on, you know, scotch bars and whiskey bars. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big thing right now also. Um, and it's great. I, I love all of it, but you always be able to find a corner bar where you can get a ball and a beer, which is just a, good, a good old cheer style bar, right? Yeah, Absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely yeah you for know, us that's the uh that's the parrot the world famous parrot yes, yes. I've, I've been there with you so <laughs> we're gonna go we're gonna go to uh personal right so personally uh, i want to talk about how bartending has uh been affected how you you've been affected by your job so i know particularly servers and i am assuming bartenders as well there is a social stigma so how does that um, how does that play into your life? How do you deal with that as a bartender, whether it's from strangers or a loved one or your family? How do you how do you manage that? Well, I mean, for you know, I feel like I've said this five times now, but for as long as I've done this, it's it's not a job. It's it's a lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know, I, I almost say this, and my tone of voice might have just changed a little bit there because. You know, there's 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 some hard parts about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like I said, I still genuinely like it. Sometimes I love it, um, but it's hard. It's hard. Uh, you know, when you want to get up in the morning and go to the gym or you know go grocery shopping and be productive. Because if you close the bar in Buffalo, the bars close at four. You clean the bar. You get out at four thirty, four forty-five. You go home. You eat something. You go to bed. I mean, unwind. You, you literally are going to bed at six in the morning. Yeah. You're not. You're not. You're not getting up at nine o'clock to go hit the gym. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. You know. And forget the fact that we drink in Buffalo. So you know, even if I was a sober bartender, which I'm the furthest thing from, um, 
that would be extremely hard to accomplish that kind. So, you know, it took, took decades for family and loved ones to appreciate the fact that, listen, I can't do birthday parties at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock on Sundays. Like I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be there until two, you know, and I, I legitimately, um, maybe even lost relationships over, um, this this lifestyle so it's 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 something to not take lightly it, it's a lot of fun but it, it absolutely takes over your life and it's very hard to be you could say like oh just be disciplined don't drink or whatever again like i said even if you don't drink be in third shift it's a big deal it takes it your body adjusts to third shift okay so also um we both know that there are rhythms to uh the restaurant industry or the bartending uh aspect of it so sometimes they think uh, places are busy. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you you lose your job or you quit. You never know. I always said to myself uh, in describing my job to people, I never know each day, each day that I walk in, if I'm going to quit or if I'm going to get fired. So yeah. how do you deal with the instability in your cash flow? Uh, for a long time, I didn't. Um <laughs> For a very long time, I mean, longer than I even really want to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it talk about the lifestyle again. Um, it wasn't until I moved to Florida, where you are for a while, that I finally and this this was when I was well into my career. I mean, <clears throat> more than a decade and a half into my career, well more than that. Um, I, I finally figured it out that like something as simple as writing down your tips each day. And I don't mean on like a piece of paper you're going to lose. I mean, putting on the computer and having, I, I, right now I have everything I've made since 2009. And, and that's actually embarrassing because it should be since 1999 or even earlier, but uh, it's not, it wasn't until 2009, which, you know, obviously do the math that, you know, it, it was not that long ago, or at least not in my mind that I finally figured out how to, uh, look at the money I make, see it on paper and then budget around that. Cause if you don't, I mean, in my yeah. early days, in my early days of corporate waiting on tables and then, you know, bartending after I just lived week to week, uh, you know, and, and, and as the month got down to the end, you know, I'd be going out every night after the shift with your coworkers and everything and having a good time spending money and spending 60% of what you made that night. Um, and then at the end of the month, you're like, oh shit, I got to pick up some shifts cause I got to pay rent, mm-hmm. you know? So you're, you're working, you're working three doubles the last week of the month cause you got to pay rent. That's, that's no way to live. No way to live. And, uh, do you, or have you worked in more than one bar at a time? Oh goodness. Uh, geez. At this, uh, at this point now, I, uh, years ago I learned, you know, you, you talked about how you, you made it. I used to say that too. I don't say it anymore now because I've, um, changed my mindset. I, I don't want to say out loud to myself that this could be my last day here, but it absolutely is true. What you said, it is so, so true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think of it that anymore, that way anymore. Uh, cause I don't allow myself to do that. But, um, one of the things I learned a long time ago is that having multiple jobs is one of the best ways of job security in this business, better even than just being really good at what you do. Okay. There's, there's, <clears throat> there is this thing in this business where you could be the best at your job, but all it takes is that one regular or that one like girlfriend of the GM or that one guy that doesn't like you that happens to know the area supervisor to make a phone call. And all of a sudden you're the full-time guy 
yeah. full-time girl. You're there all the time and you piss off that one person. And they're like, listen, we just, we got to go in a different direction. And you're like, are you effing kidding me? Mm-hmm. So the best way to avoid that is having multiple jobs and not just for the common sense reason that, oh, you can just go to the other job. For some odd reason, it makes those situations uh, better. It, it makes a lot of them go away where the GM in question or the boss in question or the coworker, whatever, they'll be like, uh, you know what? Yeah, he, he had a bad moment that time, but, you know, he's only with us Wednesdays and Thursdays and he's good. And I know he works this other place. For some reason, you're just your stock goes up. Yeah, I don't know what the perceived value in that is, okay. but I know for a fact through lots of, of trial and error that the more bar jobs I have, the more I'm valued at those jobs because they look at me as less expendable and more valued because they think I'm thinking I can get a job any day I want. And that really helps you out big time in this business, having multiple jobs. That's interesting. I, so, I want to say one last thing about that. Um, Cause I feel, I feel like if anybody's listening to this and they're new in the business, I, I really want them to hear what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with working your butt off at one place and really caring and doing all the right things. But I promise you at some point that job is going to break your heart. And one of the best ways to avoid that is to have even one shift working somewhere else all the while you're doing your best to be like the superhero at your job. I, I promise you, you will. This, this is advice that you can take to the bank. That that's certainly, uh, I'll take your word for it. Definitely true for, for bartending. Um, but with, with, with servers for whatever reason, um, I always felt like bartenders, it's like the last stop whenever, whenever they promote people to bartending, uh, they never go back to serving, and it's always like if you get, you know, you're under more scrutiny, scrutiny, and that's where you get fired. Um, mm-hmm. Servers, oh for to, sure. Uh, you, can, you can hide in the cut a little bit. Yeah, so absolutely, much more. absolutely. You're, you're, you know, the bartender feels the face of the restaurant, mm-hmm. um, which they, and they should be. They, they are, like you said, the show. They run the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and if you're, and here's the thing. If, if you're a good bartender and you, you do take pride in your craft, the reason why you're the show is this isn't about like saying that bartenders are better, worse or whatever than a server or a dishwasher or a cook. The point is that if you're a good bartender, you are through physical proximity, you are the, the highlight of the, sh- of the show because when somebody walks in the front door, most establishments, the bar is right there. So yeah. you, no matter how busy it is, you need to at least be able to make eye contact for a second with every guest that walks through that door and make them feel like, hey, I'm happy you're here. And that will make an enormous difference in people wanting to be in that establishment and or wanting to come see you as a bartender. If you're not doing that, you're failing at your job. I don't care how busy it is. I've worked Ultra Festival in Miami. I've worked St. Patrick's Day in the flats at Cleveland, Ohio. I've worked in Atlanta, Georgia. I've, I mean, I've worked everywhere. It doesn't matter how busy I am. I am acknowledging, I am acknowledging every person that comes to that door or that is in the bar, even if it's a half second glance mm-hmm. with a smile or a nod or a wink. It's like, yo, bro, I got you. Very You're my guy and I'm going to take care of you. So before we, uh, we're going to wrap up with a series of uh, questions related to ownership. So I, 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 I'm interested to know if uh, you can give us some insight into what mistakes you see owners do often and and what they could typically do better for their bar establishment in particular. Okay. Um, 
Wow, another one that there's just so many uh, answers to it. Uh, right, right off the top of my head, you've got the cliche bar owner who has never worked in the business but has gone to bars their whole lives, and they come across some money, and they open up a bar, and these situations are epically horrible. They almost never work. These mm-hmm. businesses fail an enormous large percentage of the time because these owners end up besides the fact that they don't even know how to hire the right people, even if they do hire the right people, they, they take their advice from their drunken friends or people they think are their friends at the bar. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't like Nancy cause she doesn't, you know, blah, blah, blah the way, you know, you know, Sally does it for me or whatever. What am I 80 years old with these friggin' names I'm using? Nancy. And, and like, what <laughs> you just need a Margaret in there and you're, you're all set. Yeah. Yeah. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> This is, this is what happens when I'm sober. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, too much advice taken from people at the bar. If, if there's any prospective bar owners listening to this that have either worked in the business as a bartender or not, it, it, it doesn't matter. Even if you worked and that's that's another thing. If you if you worked in a business, a lot of times these guys think they know everything. It's like, listen, did you ever cook before? Or vice versa. Is it a cook that's never, you know, worked the front of the house before? Owning a business is a whole different animal. And you, you, the, the best thing you can do is know you don't know everything and know that you need to hire a few core people that you can trust. And don't think that every person that comes into that bar, you're going to be able to make happy the way they want to be made happy. Because 20 people are going to come to you at that bar after three beers and all 20 of them are going to tell you a different way that you should run your business. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, through my experience, these owners will try to take the advice of every one of those 20 people and then lose all their good staff in the process of doing it and ultimately go out of business. And I cannot tell you how many dozens and dozens of times I've seen this happen mm-hmm. or been part of it. Would you ever want to own your own bar? I get asked that a lot. Um, I did have a small piece of a business for five years in nightclub. Uh, it wasn't really supposed to work out that way. Um, I ended up investing money into a business that I was the GM at, and I wasn't. I was a. I was a bartending GM in a nightclub. It's a very unique situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran all operations, did all hiring and firing, paid all the bills, locked all the doors, counted all the money. The owner didn't even look at his money until I gave it to him on Monday. Um, and then I, because the business wasn't where it needed to be, I just ended up investing way too much of my own money um, and became a minority owner. But mm-hmm. do I want to open my own place? I often, usually my immediate response to this is hell no. Um, I, I, I have more fun and make more money than most small bar owners that are not established. Okay. Uh, but there is something to be said the fact that I do feel very comfortable in my knowledge of this business, although I know I'm always going to be able to learn something from everybody. Um, I, I think nobody should ever think they have it all figured out. Uh, There's always something think, to learn. Yes, yes. And I, and I do think I would be successful, but I, but it's, it, it doesn't matter if you have all the answers. If, if, if fate doesn't fall your way in this business, it's such a fickle business. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what happens if you open up a business and all of a sudden, that city decides they're going to rip up the street in front of your business, and it's your first few months there. You didn't know. You, you didn't know that they were going to do construction on that street. Well, guess what? You're shit out of luck. Yeah. You know, you're, you're trying to build up a business, and so many things could could screw you. You know, it's. I can't say that I won't do it, 
Um, but I'm very much in the undecided category right now. All right. So I want to thank you very much for your time. And uh, where can we find you? Where, where can we find you for, for those of us listening in the uh, Buffalo area? Uh, well, like I got to give a shout out to my summer job. Uh, I work on the lake um, at Mickey Rats Beach Club. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, I was the lead bartender there last year. Uh, I worked the year before and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be the lead bartender again this year uh, in the summer. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to go back there. It's a great place, new ownership. The Ellicott group just bought it. Uh, some great owners that have really good ideas for the future and the business is going to be there for a long time. I'm really excited to be part of it. Um, uh, right now I'm, I'm, I'm working for uh, a couple great guys in, uh, Dave Cronk and Ben Bell that own a place called the beer garden in Orchard park, okay. right in front of the, right in front of Bill stadium, right in front of new era stadium, the Ralph rich stadium <laughs> it's got too many names um and these guys are great i love working for them they're actually about to open up another place uh downtown buffalo on delaware formerly the snooty fox it's going to be called the station house okay and this business concept is going to be dedicated to first responders fire cops ambulance and uh you know they've already asked me if i would work there and i'm i'm very happy to be uh working a shift or two there interesting so, yeah Right. Oh, and in one last, oh, of course, one last place I got it. I can't uh, forget my favorite stomping ground, uh, the Tap House on Chippewa, which I work Wednesday nights. Um, and I I worked there a couple of years ago. And when Rats closed this summer, the new owner, Stephanie Smith, gave me a ring and said, if I wanted my, asked me if I wanted my old Wednesday shift back. I said, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. <laughs> Wednesday's at the Tap House. Thank you to yes. Chris Rockstar Godson for the interview. And, uh, this is Marlon Joseph, the modern waiter, and Daniel DeVilla. Thank you, Chris. It was amazing. Yes, Thanks, good guys. content. So we'll see you next time on the Modern Waiter Podcast. Like, damn, like, we go again with a win, no spin for them niggas and them hands and them haters. Like, damn, y'all like, dudes ain't all that with them hot ass lyrics and them dope ass tracks. Like, damn, like, damn. be a mall and shit, suckers fighting for they cool when they know they. Don't hold back I know I told y'all the next 10 is over